When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday, it's hump day, it's Browns versus Bengals week. The excitement is getting real. Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it once again with Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis after a day off. Gentlemen, just jump right into it. I have a question, and it's simpler than you think. What separates the Browns from everyone else in the league? Um, I mean, I don't know. Simpler so than you think. Separate, uh, I mean, well, well, I guess here's the a answer way is Miles Garrett. There but, you go. There you but go. I, I don't know. There are a lot of teams that have a good edge rusher. Like, is, like what separates the Steelers from every team in the league? TJ Watt. Like, I, I think sure. you could kind of – what separates the Rams, but the Rams are terrible. It's Aaron Donald. So, like, I, sure. I don't know if that's the best way to phrase that. I guess – well, that's fair. In that sense, that's fair. But I'm saying if we're talking specifically about his skill set, they have Miles Garrett. No one else does. But see, don't take that from me. I was actually quoting Joe Burrow when I was saying that because he was literally asked, what makes the Browns so difficult for you guys, the Bengals, compared to everyone else you faced? Simply put, he said, they have Miles Garrett. That's what makes them different. And Joe Burrow makes a point. I mean, he's talked about TJ Watt in the same light you mentioned, Andrew, but I mean, I really believe, and I think, again, Burrow would probably agree, this guy, Miles Garrett, is the real deal, the best edge rusher in the league. He has the fifth most sacks in the league. He has the highest grade of being an overall defender at his respective position on pro football focus with about a 92 and a half, which is freakish to me, especially with the fact that he's in his sixth season. I mean, he's a problem. He's been a problem for Burrow. He sacked him six times in their four meetings together. The last time they saw each other on Halloween, you know, Garrett showed up to First Energy Stadium. He had the Vecna costume, you know, from Stranger Things. And boy, did he look like the evil Vecna on the field. And I'll never forget, there was the one sack in particular that stood out where he just got a late trip on Jonah Williams. Samaje Piran couldn't shake him off. Boom, comes the dynamite. That was, I think, yeah, it was like late in the first quarter. That ended the second of seven straight scoreless drives in that game, which to to this date, the season, was the Browns' best defensive performance this year. It was not the Bengals' worst offensive performance, but it was the Bengals, or the Browns, excuse me, best defensive performance. Fewest points allowed, uh, fewest yards allowed in that game. So, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot if you're Joe Burrow. Like, I, I think, you know, you could try your best. And I think with the way uh, the Bengals played the last four games, uh, it will look different. I don't think the Browns will get to Burrow that much. But how much of a challenge do you see Garrett and, of course, Jadavian Clowney in that front being this time around? Well, I mean, if, if I, I like I know you just kind of sung Miles Garrett's praises. The, the PFF grade, I don't really – 
I don't know. Some of those grades are, I mean, we talked about that if the Titans game, like they said, DJ reader had a terrible game against the Titans. Like, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Right. Yeah. Um, two so, so, you, I mean, you can kind of look at, you can kind of look at a whole bunch of different things, but really uh, the number one thing you can look at and just kind of understand where you're coming from is, is miles Garrett, just how big he is, how fast he is, how physical he is. Um, you know, I think the Bengals have to be feeling better than they did going into the last matchup. Obviously, you have Jamar Chase this time around. Um, this is the best your offensive line has played all year. Um, so y- you are feeling, I don't know, if more confidence the word because you just beat the Chiefs. There, there are things going your way. But, I mean, kind of like we talked about with the Steelers in, in the last matchup, you have to chip Miles Garrett. You have to be able to effectively run the ball. Because there are going to be plays that Miles Garrett makes that you just you can't do anything about. Like you can't stop T.J. Watt from jumping up when he's getting when he's actually getting blocked by Leo Collins. He wasn't free, and T.J. Watt just made a, a heck of an interception. Like you, there's nothing you can really do in some in certain situations. And Brian Callahan kind of referenced that today. But um, it, it's it, you know kind of like we said about the Chiefs. It's about mitigation, and if you just can throw two three guys at him kind of confuse him as to where the ball is going. That's the best chance you have to beat them because the Browns run defense is not very good. No, um, but their but their pass rush is obviously great. And, um, you know, a lot of that's Miles Garrett and he's caused the Bengals a heck of a lot of problems over the years. Well, we talked about this the first time the matchup and they didn't do it was go lead or at least, uh, you know, kind of control the pace. I mean, they, the, you know, they talked about how the turnovers, uh, the last few games against them, uh, the ones that have mattered, not that uh, last year's final game. Um, you know, if you allow them to have pass rushing downs on the defense where Miles Garrett has nothing else to worry about, that's when he's going to feast. I think that um, this game, if you don't, you know, you don't want to throw an early interception and you want to try to have a lead, and if you could do that, I think you could, uh, you know, effectively take them out of it. Um, so even if he does get a sack or two, it's not sort of the end of the world. I mean, I think that, um, you know, outside of that game, really, uh, in, in the recent stretch of games, the Bengals have done that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about it is, um, like you said, simply put, they didn't do what we talked about, which feels like forever ago back uh, the week before Halloween night, uh, which is when they played. But, you know, and I would say this in a good way because this, this sucks for the Browns, but Sione Taki Taki, their weak side linebacker, uh, he is done for the year. Um, he has – torn ACL so he's out and that's a big loss because he actually had the most tackles for the Browns in that game when they played the Bengals he even uh, I believe he had a sack in that game as well because the Browns got to Burrow five times um, sacking him so that is a huge loss for their defense it is going to look a lot different without him Um, he's obviously not going to get as much of a focus as Garrett or Clowney and so on and so forth but uh, that is a challenge. That That is a challenge that the Browns defense has to deal with. But the turnovers you mentioned are critical because that's what haunted them in that game. Garrett, speaking of him, he's the one who tipped that ball that, inter- that got intercepted by A.J. Green. And it was just from there that that was just the beginning of the just lethargic offense that we saw in that game. And again, I think, you know, like, like even with T.J. Watt and the rematch that Burrow had, he still tipped a pass or two. Like, that's just a, you know, those guys are going to get their own. Like, you even said it yourself, Andrew. Like, you're never going to completely stop a guy like that. Like, those guys have the word elite next to their description for a reason. On the other side of that, though, some other big news corresponding with uh, the Bengals' offense, Joe Mixon 
fully practiced Wednesday for the first time in over two weeks since basically that injury he had against Pittsburgh. He was limited in practice last week, but he never fully practiced. So he fully suited up in pads, which means he's essentially cleared from what it looks like uh, from the concussion protocol. So we know Mixon played in that game. He didn't do much. He had eight carries, and then they pretty much said, all right, we're pulling the plug on that because, you know, the Bengals were down 18 nothing at that point. We talked a lot about this Monday, and to sort of pick up on this a little bit, you know, now that we know for certain we're probably going to see Joe Mixon in this game, how do you anticipate him and P. Ryan? And like you said, the Browns' run defense isn't great, but how do you anticipate him and P. Ryan doing a better job on the ground than they did in that one game? Well, just to clarify something, they weren't they weren't in pads on on Wednesday. Um, they were they were just in helmets. Um, so they have no you know, padded practice left. This, they, they said that's they right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, I meant fully practiced. Yeah, that's my, my bad. right. Um, but yeah, I mean Zach kind of said this at his press conference that Joe Mixon's our starting running back, and he kind of referenced that the last full game that he played, he had five touchdowns. Um, obviously, that can be. Uh, you know, sometimes coaches can can try to throw you off the scent a little bit. Um, I would be surprised if Samaje Ryan doesn't get more touches um, just kind of going forward. I mean, you look at some of the games where, you know, the game wasn't a blowout. You know, last time against Cleveland, he had one carry. Last time against the Falcons, he had one carry. Saints, two. Ravens, three. Like, he just didn't touch the ball a lot. I think he's kind of earned more touches. Um, I still think it's going to be kind of like a 60-40 split. You know, you start out that way, and if in the second half, Samaj P. Ryan's killing it, or even, you know, Joe Mixon's having a really good game, you just kind of ride the hot hand. But I think you start out with a little bit more of an even split. I don't think – I mean, I, that's not what I took from what he, they were saying. I mean, they went out of their way to say Mixon was the starter, that he's, you know, he's the guy. And, I mean, I think that makes it sound like they're going to go back to, to where, what things w- were, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it didn't sound like that they're sort of interested in, in doing that. I think there's, it's, you know, just from based on what they're saying, obviously, you know, coaches do like gamesmanship and sort of, you know, hiding what their, their actual plans are. But I don't think you say that um, and, to, and sort of not, you know, I, I think that was a purposeful message and that they yeah. want Joe Mixon to feel comfortable that he's going to get the carries that he got before he was knocked out. Sure. Yeah, I, I just don't yeah. I just don't think you're gonna I just don't think that like you've seen Samaje um you know you've seen Samaje play well in a number one role. I, I just I don't think that they're not gonna go like I know, you know, I know what Zach said, obviously, you know, he said um, you know, about Joe being the starter and everything like that. I, I just don't think that when you're at this point in the season, you necessarily want to rely on a guy like they did early. Uh, I think there's just with the running back position, the attrition, kind of like the conversation we were having Monday. Uh, I, I, I think that P. Ryan has kind of earned more. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be the lead snap guy. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I don't th- you know, he's not going to be the guy who gets the most catches, the most carries, any of that. But I think he's earned more is my point than, than kind of what he got in the beginning of the year. Well, I think he's earned it, but I don't know that. I don't think that means he'll get it. Uh, I don't I think, I, yeah, I think they're going to give it to uh, him. But. You know, and I think that you got to think about that. There's just they don't run the ball very much. I mean, they've run right. it more the last few weeks, but I mean, if they run the ball the same amount of time uh, to give Joe Mixon what he was getting, I mean, you really don't. There's not you're not going to just start running the ball more because you have Joe Burrow. So I think it's a uh, hard. That's why I sort of thought that um, 
you know, I, I, I would have rolled with, with, with Samaje, but because um, I just don't think that this offense is built to sort of uh, play two backs equally or simultaneously and get them both in a rhythm because they just don't, they don't, that's not their offense. They don't run the ball very much. Yeah, and with P. Ryan, you know, obviously his main success came on the ground against Kansas City, but what did he do against the Steelers? He caught three touchdowns. It was more of an even split running the ball and catching it against the Titans for P. Ryan. But again, if they are going to utilize uh, Mixon and P. Ryan, whether it's, you know, mostly Mixon or a 50-50 split like Andrew alluded to, it's mostly, I think they're going to see uh, a situation where they have Mixon and P. Ryan catching the ball because, you know, you look at the big game that Joe Mixon had against the Panthers. He ran the ball well, but he was a great pass catcher. Even before he left the game against Pittsburgh, he caught like one or two good passes for first downs. And so, yeah, you're right. When they use their running backs, compared to a lot of teams, they tend to have them out more in the flat catching it. So it'll be interesting to see what the plan is uh, as far as how they run or pass the ball, the, you know, the snap count between the two. So that's going to be something to watch uh, for this game Sunday. But another thing to watch is another player who was not in the last matchup against the Browns in week eight. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase being back against the Browns after not playing against them earlier on Halloween, plus much more MVP odds. You're listening to the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, of course, that Browns game uh, back in week eight was Jamar Chase's first game out with that hip injury that sidelined him for the first of four games. He is going to be back. So a huge difference if we're talking about the difference between that game and this game is you do have Jamar Chase. Um, obviously, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins were a lot more locked down. Uh, and, you know, the Browns played, I think, a different defense than – maybe what they anticipated on film, according to most accounts. But, you know, with Chase being back, like just – well, here's kind of the first part. If he played in that game in week eight, sawing what we saw against the Chiefs, how different would that game have been with Jamar if he was not hurt and played against the Browns? They they still lose that game. Yeah, But they, how, they, how badly do they lose, though? I don't know. Um, what are the first ten plays, Andrew? Go. <laughs> It's about the first 10 um, plays of that game? If he's playing, Nate, list the first 10 plays. I don't know. He's, don't not, know. Bri- he's, he's not Brian or Zach. It's, Come a, on. it's a fruitless exercise. They lost the game. We, yeah. you know, what, are, what are you going to do? I mean, Mohammed, have you ever heard of the old Sammy Ball quote after the Chicago Bears beat the Washington then Redskins 73 to nothing? I didn't even know that that was an actual score, but I did not. Yep. Know. Uh, wow. It's the largest deficit, uh, deficit in NFL history. But they asked Sammy Ball after the game, they said, you know, what would have happened if you had scored on that first drive there? And he said, sure, the game would have been 73 to 7. So <laughs> I think it's kind of one of those things. They just, the Browns were not, the Browns were not going to lose that night because, uh, you know, the Bengals, like we, we mentioned, they kind of held up Chubb decently well. But he he found the the runs that he needed to make. They allowed uh, too many passing plays. Like there weren't like a ton of. They had the one big bomb that went to, um, I think it was to Cooper. Um, you throw the bomb there, but like they didn't necessarily burn them deep. They just continually ta- torched them over and over again, and they just wore the Bengals down. Like they Bengals defense allowed thirty two points. Like unless you think Jamar Chase is like a fourteen point difference, that game was not close. 
maybe not a fourteen point difference. I wouldn't say, but they lost. But they lost much. by nineteen. So I, I just don't know. I just don't know how much it would have mattered. But I wonder would it have changed the rhythm of the game? Like you know, the, for example, no. I, I know no. it's a big what if. I know it's a big what if. Hey, hang on now, hang on. That tip pass for the interception. What if you have Jamar Chase and you're not throwing in the direction of Miles Garrett? You're throwing the other way. Like, I understand it's a big what if, but I pose that question before I get to the next question I'm about to ask is because I wonder, was him being gone that big of a difference or was the Browns defense just that bad of a matchup for the Bengals? I think it – I don't understand why it can't be both. Um, you, you, It was the first game it can that be. they were – It can be. It was the first game that they were playing without Jamar Chase, so – I think there was a little bit of an element of, you know, they, they had played so well for, you know, the back two and a half quarters of that Saints game, and then you beat the snot out of the Falcons, and then you lose Jamar. So, like, you had started to figure yourself out. Now you kind of have to do that again on the fly because you don't have Jamar. Um, but, you know, that mattered, obviously. Like, having losing a Jamar chase matters. But, um, you know, kind of like I said at the top, like, that, that that's going to matter going into this one. Um, but uh, like I said, you're, you're, even if you're the Bengals, you're not going to allow, or you're not going to win many games when you're scoring 32 or when you're allowing 32 points. No, I, I understand that. That's for sure. And the, there's the part that you mentioned that I liked, and that's what I was getting at. You know, like Joe Burrow said in New Orleans, we know who we are. And then they do the same thing against Atlanta. And that's where, uh, Chase had that big hit to his hip where he had to miss the next four games. It seems like, yeah, they knew who they were, and they kind of had to not start from scratch, but they had to figure some things out. And I think that contributed to some of the wonky plays that led to those scoreless drives, which leads me to the question of now that he is back and he did look pretty good and pretty healthy against the Chiefs, how much better does this game get uh, now that you – like I said, you have a Browns defense that's a little bit weaker now because of those injuries we mentioned, and you have Chase back. I mean, how – much more explosive, much better does this look for Cincinnati Sunday? In terms of just what the advantage of having Chase is? Just Chase and, you know, like I mentioned, like what Andrew said, you know, they kind of had to find that rhythm against the Browns. Now that they have that rhythm and they don't have to kind of figure that out, how much more explosive do you see them coming out of the gate versus that one game? Well, I mean, they haven't been particularly explosive. I just feel like they've been like uh... – Efficient, and I think that's what they would what they, how they've kind of described it. I mean, the red zone efficiency's been off the charts. Yeah, uh, they're one of the best teams in the league on converting third downs. Yeah, um, you know they had one what forty yard pass play was I think their longest one against the Chiefs, but um, they were so, just yeah. you know it wasn't sort of like Chase getting loose and 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 breaking things up. I mean they were just um, you know and and Joe Burrow I think talks about you know making his reads really quickly and finding his checkdowns and, 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 you know, mixing things up and kind of catching teams off guard. So uh, they're just playing, I think the, you know, at a really high level right now, I'm not sure um, that I just describe them as uh, explosive rather than sort of efficient or effective, a lot of just different E words. Um, And so, (laughs) um, you know, I I think that's where they're at right now. And they're playing some of their, their best football that they've played this season offensively yeah and Andrew I know um this is something I want to kind of get your thoughts on him because we talked about this before the break about Mixon, Pirine and the run blocking obviously with Hayden Hurst being doubtful and pretty much likely being out for Sunday that means Mitchell Wilcox is gonna have to fill those shoes just just as he's been filling Drew Sample's shoes so I need to kind of talk to Brian Callahan about balancing you know 
using Wilcox in the passing game where it's needed, but also, you know, needing him to block against that Browns line like we've been talking about with Garrett and Clowney, you know, what's the sense that you kind of see uh, Wilcox, like his role being in this game, just because of Hayden Hurst likely being out for Sunday? Well, I mean, the the goal, I think, for them would be to just kind of have him replace Hurst's role one for one um, because you have you have Wilcox, then you have Asiasi, and then you're probably going to call up either ba- uh, Nick Bowers or Tanner Hudson from the practice squad. So, because um, I can't imagine that they would go into this game with with two tight ends, right? Especially because you don't have a fullback on the roster or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the the thing that I was asking Brian about was I'm curious just because this is a game where you can't leave Jonah Williams or Leo Collins on an island. I, I know that they're playing better. I know that the whole offensive line has been sturdier than it has been. Um, but this is not a game where you can just say, okay, Jonah, go win your one-on-one. You know, okay, Leo, like go do, you know, just go handle him. You, you, that's that's a fool's errand. You can't do that. So, um, yeah, what I'm curious about is how they saw the game evolve in Cleveland. Like Joe Burrow got sacked five times. Do you like what does that do when you take out a uh, a faction of your passing attack where you know Joe Burrow if he's getting pressure he has that dump off available to Hayden Hurst or to whoever who you know Samaje Piran or Joe Mixon whoever it is going to be coming out of the backfield underneath he's got that there but when you face an all or a defense like this you need some kind of help on those on those uh, defensive ends so. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting look at how they use Mitchell Wilcox. But, I mean, I think to start, you just have to use him in the Hayden Hurst role because he's your number one tight end right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll actually uh, be writing more on that later this week about Wilcox and kind of what he talked about uh, stepping up for Hurst, who, like we said, has not been declared out but is doubtful. So it looks like he will be out. So I'll have more on that later this week on Cleveland.com slash Bengals. But to kind of wrap up, guys, we do this every Wednesday, and it's even more fitting after what we talked about in the postgame podcast Sunday, NFL MVP odds. Now, the rankings, uh, top five rankings have not changed. The odds, as far as, like, the numbers have changed a little bit. So the order is the same. At number one, the favorite is Patrick Mahomes. At number two, it's Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow, number three, that hasn't moved. To Tago Vilo at four and Josh Allen at five. With Mahomes, he was at minus 160 after the game. He's at plus 125, so he's in the plus. Hurts, not far behind, very close, actually, plus 175. And then Joe Burrow is just a distant third place at plus 600 after he was plus 1,400. So, like, you know, of course, after a game like that, uh, you're going to make a big jump. So, you know, like we talked about, I mean, I think we all agreed he has to win at least four of the next five. That's paramount, depending on what happens with Mahomes, possibly what happens with Jalen Hurts down the stretch. And, you know, again, it's the Browns. I don't want to just say it's the same old Browns because that's what Juju Smith-Schuster said two years ago and the Steelers paid for that. So I don't want to say it's the same old Browns, but you're playing the Browns. Um, this is a big divisional win. You need to stay in the AFC North ranking. What did you have Mahomes at? What did you have Mahomes at? Mahomes was uh, – he's number one. He's first place. Oh, what, what was the odds? Yeah, plus what? Plus 125. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's a big swing from from even just from the weekend. After the game, yeah. he was still minus. Now he's plus odds. I was just looking at the consensus yeah. at the different sports books. Uh, one still has a minus, but the, a bunch now are, are in the plus territory. Right. Uh, and, 
Joe Burrow keeps moving up um, around uh, plus 760. You can still get him plus 900 at one, plus 700 is the, the lowest. So interesting that it, it keeps shifting throughout this week that um, I mean, he's really kind of cut the uh, you know, moving, you know, it, it, obviously with five weeks to go, it is in a much better situation um, in the last two weeks. I mean, really, uh, now it's, I think, a, a three-horse race here. And so with that, like you said, it is a three-horse race, and that's a good point, but should he have a great game against the Browns, can he maybe take Hurts' spot? Could he move up a spot? Well, it depends what Jalen Hurts does. Um, so you think if yeah. he doesn't do well enough, like Hurts doesn't do well enough, and Burrow does, they could easily switch that Well, yeah, spot. yeah. I mean, like like I said, like Jalen, we, we kind of talked about this after the pod. Like Jalen Hurts is leading a team that has lost one game this season. Yeah. Um, you know, so – and they just – not only that, they just beat the snot out of the Titans, and he threw for 380 yards. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're that talking about a guy – yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that's if that's a lesson to any NFL GM who is certainly not listening to this, it's like if you're going to trade a star player, uh, make Man. sure he's not on the schedule for a few years. But I still think going back to the argument me and uh, Andrew had uh, after the game about Hurts, he the only quarterback that he plays with that like with that was in the MVP race even like a little bit before the season was Dak Prescott. Obviously, they're playing close. He does not play. Anybody else this season? I think if their resumes are close and the win differential isn't, you know, if 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 it's three, I, I think it's it uh, maybe it needs to be two at the end of the season. But like their resumes are going to be substantially like Joe Burrow's resume should have more weight than J- Jalen Hurts's. Yeah, the uh, I I think that's fair. The the win-loss record obviously matters, um, you know, because like we said, you got a quarterback that's eight and four who has a pretty tough end of the season. Um, you know, Joe Burrow could play really well on Sunday. You know, they could flip the script, and all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson finds his form. Bengals lose a shootout. It doesn't matter that Joe Burrow throws for three twenty. I guarantee you, his MVP odds are going down. Um, so you, you got to keep winning. Uh, my, like, my point is, is like if they're if they're one of like the top seeds, like I said, one, I mean, even if they don't get one, if they get two or three. And the Eagles are one, and they lose maybe one or two more. I still think if Burrow's numbers are anywhere, like if they're pretty, like if Burrow has slightly better numbers than Hurts, his resume should give him a clear advantage, uh, just because of the, the differences in schedules is like staggering. Sure, but the, but then you still got to pass, um, you still got to pass Mahomes because Mahomes has thrown for more touchdowns. Yeah, I'm saying he's, in a world where they're like the 400 two, more they're, yards. They're, too. They're, where they're the finalists, right? And I think. Uh, Mahomes is going to have to deal with the fact that he lost the head-to-head matchup with Burrow as well. Well, and, and here's the other thing. like the, we, We're talking about this right now like because I think head-to-head matchup does matter, like you said. But, I mean, the, what if the, like, the Bengals could have a great end to the season and go 4-1, and one, but if that one loss comes against the Bills and Josh Allen – then where does Josh Allen fit into that mix? Just Josh That's Allen. true. So there, there's a lot of different ways that this could go here. Um and it's, I mean, it's going to be but interesting to I think see. The consensus is they're not dead and buried like you said they were. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for it. You know what? One of these days I'm going to have to go back and find it just so we have, like, proof that I didn't say dead and buried. Um, but the uh, – yeah, I'm curious because, like, Tua I, – I, Tua I would kind of count out of it. Um, but – 
then you got Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I mean, in, in terms of the actual favorites, like the, I think it's a three horse race, but like in terms of the numbers that Vegas is telling you right now, it's a two horse race. Um, Cause Joe Burrow has made up a ton of ground in the last two weeks or so. He still has to make up a lot of ground. Cause like at some books, like you said, he's still going off at basically nine to one odds. Um, so it, it's still, uh, it's still kind of a ways to go for Burrow here. I mean, five games is a lot of football. Don't be fooled, folks. Five five games, five weeks a month, whatever you want to call it, that is a lot. It is going to be tight. It is going to be fun. It is going to be exciting. And we are going to be here for it. And tomorrow we're going to have much, much more on this big game. I said earlier on the podcast this week we have a special guest, and that is going to be Mary Kay Cabot, our fellow Browns insider from Cleveland.com. She will be joining me tomorrow make sure you tune in she's always a great host a great guest to have so make sure you listen to that we'll talk more about deshaun watson what he may or may not look like along with nick chubb's style of play plus much more but once again for myself Andrew gillis and mike nice i'm muhammad ahmad see you tomorrow